Hello, friends. Happy Friday. My name is Steve, and I'm here today with Beverly Bambury. She's a book publicist. Beverly, thanks for joining me tonight. It is my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so usually I talk to authors and content creators, so I'm really excited that we were able to connect and have a chat because, uh, well, first explain to us what a book publicist does. Sure. So my job is primarily to help authors and, and comic book creators and whomever I work with mm. sell more books essentially. So, you know, I, I call, uh, or call, excuse me. So like I contact, you know, bloggers and book reviewers and publications and if appropriate newspapers, TV stations just depends on the market and oh, wow. uh, the type of book. And yeah. And I try to get them interviews, book reviews, you know, things like that, which, which ultimately we always hope leads to more sales. Yeah. That's the goal, right? So mm -hmm. do you work with uh, mostly self-pub and indie, or do you also work with traditional uh, authors as well? It's, it's a mix. Uh, I actually have uh, uh, a fair number of self-published authors, uh, a few small presses that I work with as well, a literary magazine, but also some traditionally published folks. And I'm sure if there's any tra trad pub folks watching this, they know that they have to do almost as much work on their marketing and publicity as, uh, as an independent uh, or, or self-published person. So really well surprising it depends it depends on the press but yeah like i mean i've worked with authors who were on some of the major major publishers that are just like they're kind of ignoring me because i'm not stephen king so you mm -hmm. know I, I i've got to do this and i've got to do that and and you know it's uh it's a lot of work the last i don't know 15 to 20 years uh it's really been going that way more and more and more wow Mm -hmm. So how do you see the, the industry changing with self-pub? It seems like it's becoming more popular. Do you see, uh, do you see a trend in that direction? Absolutely. It is becoming more acceptable. There still is definitely something of a stigma and I, and I get why, I mean, I, I, I love my indie authors. It's not, I'm not, I'm not par hopefully partaking in the stigma, but there are, um, because there is no kind of quality control, you just never know what you're going to get with a self-pub book and some of them are amazing. And I, I always work with folks who have, who have worked with an editor and professional cover designers. You know, I want to, I want to help those people who, who are looking at the publishing part of it as a business, because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, uh, but there are definitely are people who are just like, you know, they type the end and no one ever looks at it and they publish it and you can tell. Right. And so that's, that's why it can be so hard for reviewers and why I really relate to that aspect of it as well because you don't want to say yes i'm open to everything and then you have to sort all this wheat from the chaff so it's complicated i wish everybody would accept self-pub books because so many of my clients are but i understand also why they aren't their time is valuable just like ours is hmm. so for someone if you have a reviewer who's who you can depend on that gets books turned around for you and, and they're kind of wary of self-pub what what do you what can you tell them to convince them to give self-published books a try well in my particular case, I, again, I, I only work with people who have like very professional standards, regardless of who's published the book. So if I were talking to, you know, one of my book reviewer friends, I would say, hey, I know it's not your usual thing, but this is the editor that they hired. Here is the, you know, developmental editor they hired. Here's the copy editor. Here's the cover designer. You know, here's the person who formatted it. Like, this is a quality thing. I've read it you know, I promise this isn't going to be a waste of your time. And and mm. I think that's all people are looking for. I think if everyone who self-published did those things, and hey, I know not everybody has the money for all that, but I mean, there are ways to do things affordably. I think, uh, 
I think more people would probably be more open to accepting self-published books if more people did some of that quality stuff. Hmm. So if, if an author came to you and said, I have a limited budget, but I wrote this book I'm really excited over, uh, what advice would you give them? Well, if, if they're in a position, where, I mean, I think probably the most important things if you're on a limited budget would be editing, at, at the very least copy editing. Um, although developmental can be helpful because sometimes you don't realize what's structurally wrong. Anyways, anyways, that's a whole, that's a whole other conversation. Um, <laughs> I would say it, it, you know, you can look for, I know, I know tangents. Um, you can look for, um, students, you can look for people who are just mm. starting out editing. You may not get the best, the best, highest quality editing job, but if, if your budget is very limited, then, you know, something is better than nothing. And same with mm. cover designers. You can get pre, pre-made covers. Some people don't know that you can get pre-made covers. And then what you do when you buy it is you can put your title and your, and your author name on there. Um, mm. and, and those are much cheaper than just hiring someone to design a cover explicitly, you know, custom for you. So there are ways that you can kind of cut some corners and still do the most professional job that you can. As far as I know, there's lots of different types of editors. I didn't realize it until recently how different mm-hmm. or how many options you have with, with editors. What, what, what's the best type of editor to get? If you can recommend one type of editor, what editor would you recommend type of editor? It's tough. Probably, I think, the copy editor, because ultimately, a good copy editor is at least going to help make sure you don't have a ton of mistakes, and they can help you with word choice. That's not the same as proofreading. Obviously, proofreading is its own thing as well, but copy editors can usually help you with that to some degree. So if you can only pick one, that's what I would personally choose. Now, caveat, I actually don't write. Um, I work with authors, but I myself am not a writer, so... <laughs> how many books do you read because uh, you must go through a lot of books too um interestingly way fewer since uh 2020 <laughs> i really went through almost a year of not reading a whole lot but uh i started doing audiobooks which just right now that's where my brain's at and i've just been devouring them like at night i'll play Stardew valley or whatever game i'm playing and and to relax and i also have an audiobook going and just like tons of them so I don't know, trying to think. Just in the last week, I've listened to three novels. <laughs> wow, really? It's just, well, I've also been sick. I mean, as you know, uh, yeah. so that's, it's probably would be us if I were working more, but I've been sleeping a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> comes in handy though, audiobooks too, mm-hmm. for things like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I also, I have ADHD, so. The multitasking thing works really well. So I'm playing my game with no audio and I've got that. And then I'm cooking and it's like, I've constantly got the headphones and a book going and I don't know. And I, but I have to play it at 1.1 to 1.2 speed though, because otherwise then I'm like going, come on, come on, get on with it. So uh, that's another reason maybe it goes a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ashley says, I do the same, start an audiobook and play my switch. Sounds like a, a good, you get in the zone, there. man. Like, the other night I was just stardewing away and which is like my happy place game. And um, it's like suddenly three in the morning and I finished an entire book in one day. So <laughs> would you would you man would you recommend an audiobook to every author if they have the means to get one done? Definitely. In fact, there's even a handful of sites and publications that uh, only review audiobooks. You know, so so you get that review that ex- that focuses not just on the content of your book but on, um, you know, like the narrator and, and, and production quality. 
I know that uh, it's a little easier for the folks like in the U.S., Canada, U.K., because you've got ACX, uh, the Amazon company that does mm. audio books. Like, like I forget the details of it. I haven't actually worked with a client who's used it. I'm just familiar with it as a consumer. Um, but if you ever have the chance to put one together, I do recommend it because plenty of people use them. Right now, I'm probably 60% of the books I'm personally reading are audio right now. Yeah, it, I see more and more self-pub authors doing audiobooks recently. It seems like it's a good way to go. Mm-hmm. And with 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 reviewers, do you approach reviewers to read books or does the author do that? Or do you kind of recommend certain reviewers for the author? Uh, it depends. If they hire me directly for full service work, I will do all the contacting. I do as much work as possible uh, for them. Um, but I also have a coaching program because, see, here's the thing. I grew up actually quite poor. So for me, I'm very price conscious. But I mean, I have to, if I'm doing full service, I have to charge enough for my time. So that's not, it's not cheap to hire me. Uh, So one of the things I was early in the pandemic, when I had lost work, and a lot of people were very uncertain about their, um, you know, employment status or whatever, uh, I started my coaching program, because I'm like, you know what, for 30 bucks a month, or there's a few different, you know, tiers, some of them have one-on-one coaching, blah, blah, blah. But you know what, for $30 a month, you can get some personal assistance. So those people, I might help them decide which reviewers to contact, and then they will Mm -hmm. do it because they're not paying for my full service work, right? They're just kind of trying to learn, like, I have a template that I share for query letters, asking for reviews, I've got, you know, checklists, that kind of thing. So it depends on which part of the business that they're in. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, well, first, we to say hello to Joshua Marcelli. He's here. He's a he's a friend of the. the I show. know that Joshua. guy. Yeah, hey, bud. <laughs> hello, Joshua. Uh, Brandy said, "In less than a week, I have listened to Salem's Lot and Hearts of Atlantis, both pretty large books." She gets it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Shelf Senators here. I like self-published authors that have been getting great narrators, like Nick Poto. Probably mispronounced Nick's name. Oh yeah. Sorry, I'm an old person, so to see the tiny print, I got to do this, but. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're on your phone, that's it's hard to see. I totally am, yeah. And these yeah. are like my bifocals. I'm like, mm. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if, uh, if, if, uh, if an author hires you and, and they're doing, they're picking reviewers, what advice do you, what, how do you, um, what, what approach would you recommend for authors to approach reviewers with? What's the best, some of the best, what's some of the best and worst approaches? Well, I mean, as far as finding people, Google is Google's powerful tool. And I mean, I've, I use DuckDuckGo as well because I am try to be more privacy oriented, but sometimes Google just gives you better results. So I'm sorry, tough, DuckDuckGo. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so I'll typically when I'm first starting out or what I suggest to authors is just, you know, look at your genre and yes, pick one, please, <laughs> even though it's hard and, and sometimes it's more than one. But but to sell things, you kind of have to label them and it, and it sucks, but that's just how it is. Uh, you know, look at like genre book reviewers, you know, genre book news, genre, you know, kind of become a thesaurus. And then I just start compiling a list. And the before you even approach, if I may just kind of gloss on this a little yeah, before yeah. you would even approach, you really have to figure a few things out. One, is that reviewer accepting review requests? Because a lot of places are not. And 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 they're overwhelmed. There's millions of authors and there's only so many reviewers, right? And typically they're not being paid for their time and there's only so much time in the day. So I encourage authors to have empathy for that, right? Like don't get demanding about it. 
Um, anyways, so number one, are they accepting requests? Number two, are they active? Have they posted in the last couple of weeks? Because if they haven't, mm -hmm. then they probably are on the way out. It's, it's a high burnout thing, right? Um, yeah. And then is it, do they read your genre or not? Because if they don't, definitely don't ask them to read your book. Like, I actually know a bunch, a lot of book reviewers. Like a number of my good friends are book reviewers or people who run sites and that kind of things. And I still occasionally am hearing about somebody approaching them with, say, an erotic romance when they're a, when they're a horror and science fiction site. And it's like, it's cool that you have your erotic, your erotica and stuff. Awesome. But if, if it's not an erotica website, then don't contact them. It wastes your time as an author who has limited time. And it also wastes the other person's time. So yeah. those are the main things, you know, before you approach, check those things. Um, <sighs> sorry. <laughs> sorry for the listeners who don't know. I have COVID yeah. <laughs> and I'm mostly okay, but I'm like, I, I'm, I am having some breathing problems. So I, I swear <laughs> that that's all it is. <laughs> anyway. Um, as far as the actual approach, then I would um, simply be uh, short and to the point. You know, mm. people are busy. These reviewers are busy. They get probably hundreds of emails a week in some cases. So what I do is I just say in like the first sentence of my email, first of all, you know, find their name if possible. And you usually can. Sometimes you can't. But, you know, dear name, I'm writing about my genre, whatever genre book called this release date this um here's the cut you know here's the cover blurb so you can see what it's about a link to amazon or wherever and then say you know i'd love it if you'd review this book you reviewed x which was fairly similar and you liked it so you know there's a good chance you know thank and if you don't have time or interest in reviewing i could potentially host an excerpt or do a mm -hmm. guest blog or you know so and then that's it like it's just like bam 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 and I've had a really, I've had quite a bit of success with that approach because I think people just like that their time is being respected, you know? And uh, Laurel Hightower is here. Hey, Laurel. Laurel! <laughs> it was good to see Laurel and, and Joshua and everyone else come by and say hello. Um, typically, how how far, how how soon before the book's release date do you recommend an author approaching reviewers? How, how much time should you give a reviewer? The ideal is five, six months. And I know mm. that a lot, of, and again, ideal, we don't live in an ideal world. Um, you know, that gives people time to prioritize your book. You know, like, the, again, people can only read so much. If you yeah. come at me early and say, oh, it's going to be, you know, don't worry, it's not out for six months, you know, I don't want to rush you or put pressure on you. And, you know, like, I think that makes a difference. But frequently, you're really in that three to four month period. I think more realistically for a lot of people, depending on, you know, what it is. Now, when I'm working with somebody who comes to me and says, I want to hire you, my book's coming out next month. I'm like, yeah, you should have gotten hold of me like five months ago, my, my dude. <laughs> so I've actually had several people push their release date out further so that they can work with me. Because you just, my advice to the self-published folks in particular, don't be in a rush. Don't be in a rush because getting reviews and attention for your book, like the lead time is huge. There's some places that aren't even going to look at you if it's not at least three months out, right? Mm -hmm. Like indie folks can can submit their books to Publishers Weekly for just as an example, but you need like minimum three months, preferably more. So, um, you know, taking your time with this process is actually, I think personally, I think it's really important. Hmm. 
That's interesting. Um, so if someone came to you and said, I am determined to release my book next month, I will not change the re release date. What, what, what approach can you, can you take with that type of situation? Well, I would say, Hey, you can still go through the steps. You can still ask people, but you're just not going to get as many yeses. Hmm. I know that's yeah, just yeah. like my smug mom look there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's true though. Honestly, it's true. <laughs> still ask, still ask. I would never say don't ask, but you know, it's just, you have to expect that that's how it's going to be. Yeah. For, I've been approached by a lot of different authors and I think out of the about 30, I think I've had maybe one or two really strange uh, experiences. I think most of them are pretty reasonable and understanding. Definitely. So it's, I've been surprised with that, but most of them are pretty, pretty understanding that it's, it's tough to get books uh, turned around too quickly, but it's, it's must, must be tough to approach reviewers in that way. Cause it's must be kind of nerve wracking to know your books coming out. And it, it kind of adds this pressure on you to get the word out for this thing that you've worked so hard on. And it must be kind of stacks on each other and it becomes a cycle. Well, it can be really overwhelming. And that's mm. part of what attracted me to this profession I originally I was getting my degree a little bit later in life I was almost 40 mm. and I was finishing up my degree I did an internship with a publisher I already loved books I mean I've worked in bookstores I read every book in the library I'm just you know just one of those book people and uh, like we all are here probably <laughs> yeah. and um, so I kind of asked these folks that I knew and I worked with them and it turns out I gravitated very naturally toward the publicity side of it um, and, and I saw that even though they were a traditional publisher, just how overwhelmed the authors could be. And as I met mm -hmm. more authors, I, and some of them self-published, I, I was like, oh man, you know, my heart goes out to people like, like it's so much work and it can be so overwhelming. So that's part of my, part of the whole, my whole purpose in life really is just kind of helping people not be as overwhelmed by the process. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, Ashley says, more times than not, I can tell if an author's book, if an author took time with their book or rushed it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, if for when you recommend reviewers or when you're searching for reviewers and trying to get compile a list of, um, you know, who, what's reviewers to kind of target for a certain genre of book. Are there any red flags for reviewers or content creators that you say you, this person review reviews your, your genre, but I don't know if you want to really go there. Are there red flags for that authors should look out for to avoid certain reviewers or creators? I can't, I can't really think of any, I mean, if you're not open to getting a negative review, which I'm just going to say right now, you should be open to it. People are, readers are entitled to their opinion and I don't have to like your book. I love you authors, but you just, you got it. <laughs> you got to be ready. So if, if you, no, you can't handle a negative review, then at least look out for people who might give one and two star reviews. Some places will only talk about books they like. So I mean, if, if that's something that's important to you, I wouldn't even call it a red flag as much as a preference. Hmm, you know, okay. just kind of take a look and you should always be taking a look before you ask someone anyway, because your best bet when you're asking is also again, like I, I mentioned just briefly earlier, saying something like you read this and, and it seemed like you liked it and my book is similar in this way. You know, you kind of want to have taken the time to have read some of the reviews anyway, and you're, you don't want to go in cold. It is time consuming, but I think that really pays off. Hmm. And our friend Nicholas Kaufman is here and says, hi, Beverly. Yay. Beverly was my publicist very early in my career, and she did a fantastic, she did a fantastic job for my book. Sorry, everyone. I have I my, I'm a little congested. <laughs> oh, I thought you were verklempt, too. I was like, he's so no, excited I, for me. Yeah. No, it's just no, sickness. We're both yeah. sick. It's great. And I know uh, Nicholas is great. He's, we had a great chat. 
and uh, his book is high on my on my list. And our friend mm -hmm. Epic Tales is here. Don't give oh. a YA reader a horror book to review. No. Yeah. That's, yep. That. That's. Yep. <laughs> and speaking of genres, are, are there certain genres that are feel like they're harder to to kind of break into in the in the industry? Lately, I've been personally struggling the most with fantasy, and I don't know mm. if there's just a glut of it. And and I just want to again just stipulate this is my own personal view i can't speak right. for what other folks are experiencing but i've had a little bit more of a struggle with fantasy lately for some reason mm. i've got a couple of people i've been working with who have like these really good books these really cool books and i really loved them and and i'm just having a harder time getting people to want to read them for some reason wow yeah. wow <laughs> I, wonder if, I wonder if there's a kind of a bubble that's bursting with all it the be... entertainment and uh, tv and movies and everything Yep, and now we're on Wheel of Time TV show, so that's kind of another, you know, now we hate, which is awesome. We started, so it sounds like I'm, like, hating on Wheel of Time. I'm not. <laughs> Just saying, it adds to the bubble. <laughs> right, yeah, it adds to the the amount of content out there that's in the same genre, and that's interesting. I, I, I wouldn't have expected that. Um, yeah. Is there, a genre, yeah, is there a, a genre that's easier to get into? Um, Romance is, like, my favorite thing. I don't get to work with a lot of romance yet. I've been trying to grow that part of my business, romance writers. But uh, I, uh, I, I have had such good experiences. Like a while back, um, one of the major publishers sometimes subcontracts out things like blog tours. So earlier in my career, I did some blog tours with uh, HarperCollins. And uh, again, as a subcontractor, I was not an employee. I don't know what legal things I have to say. I just didn't make that clear. But uh, I had so much fun, honestly. It was just like so much easier for some reason. I guess because mm. a lot of the people who read romance are very voracious readers, right? And uh, I, I think they just maybe go through more books than, mm. I don't know. But yeah, that, that's been the easiest one for me personally. And erotica. I kind of, they're kind of in the same basket in that sense. I think we're a lot of voracious readers. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's really surprising. Uh, our friend Harfoot is here. Hi, glad to see you're feeling better, Steve. Thank you. Lovely Friday Live interviews. Thank you for stopping by. Oh, thanks. Nice to meet yeah. you. Yeah, and Ashley says, yes, give me give the romance. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fun. I'm, I'm a horror person, like, through and through. I'm an aging goth, and, you know, like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've always just liked really weird, strange, unusual, scary, disturbing stuff. But, but I mean, I love all the genres. Like, people should read what makes them happy, you know? Yeah, and uh, our friend Epic Tales says it's fine to hate on the Wheel of Time show because it sucks. I actually haven't even started watching it. I just finished um, an amazing show called The Silent Sea, which is a Korean mm. horror sci-fi drama thing on Netflix. Like, super good. Hmm. So I haven't made it back to uh, Wheel of Time yet. It's coming, though. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> I, have, I have zero interest in it, but I'm glad people fair, enjoy it. Yeah. Fair enough, yeah. yeah. I'm glad people enjoy it. Ramon? What is that? Ramon. I'm not sure, uh, Mr. Morningstar. Let us know what that is. All and right. Laurel says, "Love romance." Yep. And uh, Mr. Morningstar says, "Romance readers skip to the naughty bits." <laughs> when I, you know, it's funny you say that because when I was working in the bookstores, <laughs> I would sometimes when I was shelving, and I'd be like, you know, and just like actually totally look for the naughty bits while I was working. So you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they go through books so fast. They're skipping to the good stuff. 
And uh, with horror, with you mentioned being a horror fan, I, if, maybe it's just because of the the people that I've come to know and, and the books that I've been reading, but it seems like there's a big explosion of so many great horror books and so many wonderful authors out there from so many different backgrounds and gender. I mean, so many, there's such a variety of horror. Is that just me or is that, do you see that too? I've been feeling like I've been seeing a lot of it too. And there definitely have been some struggles in the genre as far as Twitter and Twitter Twitter is not the whole world. Like, don't stress over the Twitter drama stuff. But, but um, anyways, anyways. But I also discover a lot of new authors that way, which is why I'm I'm not I don't see me leaving Twitter at any point. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I've lost track of what I was saying. I I agree with you though. I I've been seeing a lot of really cool stuff, just like a little bit experimental, a little bit different, different perspectives. Like, and I know I know he's actually really popular right now, but I I read just. I don't know. Last year, I read um, *The Only Good Indians* by Stephen Graham Jones, and I mean, I know very little about um, Indigenous life. I mean, I'm a half Jewish white person from Florida, um, you know. Like, so for me, it was like I loved reading this not only because it was just this creeping dread and this really slow burn, which I like, but I was also just I felt like I was expanding my knowledge of of a different culture. That, that we live alongside, you know, and, and so, and I, and I love doing that. And I love how popular that book has gotten and, and his other books have gotten because, you know, it's about time. I mean, people need to read something that's by people who are different from themselves, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned, um, you mentioned Twitter and I, I wondered what social media platforms would you recommend authors focus on? Um, that depends a little bit on your goal. Like, you're networking with other authors and industry professionals. I have personally had the best luck with that on Twitter, hands down. Hmm. Like, I mean, and, and I and I think that when you're getting started in your career, I think that can be really important to do. But as far as like meeting fans, it really depends a lot on what you write. Like, um, I think the horror community exists a little bit more on Twitter, I think, than it does anywhere else. From my perspective, as a, mm-hmm. again, a 46-year-old woman, I'm sure there's stuff I'm missing. But, um, you know, I'm seeing other people on TikTok who are just having a blast, like some science fiction, YA, mm-hmm. middle grade authors having a blast on TikTok. I actually need to kind of get more into it. Like, I understand it, and I've used it mostly to post videos of my very cute dogs. But... Yeah. um. <laughs> You know, but like I'm, I'm getting added by authors all the time. So I'm like, oh, okay, all right, people moving over here. And, uh, and the hashtag, hashtag game there and on Instagram is pretty strong. It doesn't, mm. you, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, I guess that kind of answers it. You know, Twitter for sure. Facebook is a great place for people to find you. But it also, the algorithms are like. You know, if you're if you're if you're just using a page like I have a Facebook page for my business, but it gets almost no action. I mean, most of the posts, that's why I always post something on my personal Facebook page as a public post so that people can see it and find and interact with it, even if they're not my friends on Facebook, Hmm. because you could definitely have good conversations there. Anyway, sorry, there's like 50,000 thoughts in my head. But yeah, so, you know, it depends a bit on your genre. It's the short answer. Yeah, it, it's all good stuff. It's really fascinating to me. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah, and the I, I wonder too, what what would you recommend authors avoid doing on social media? Or is there anything that you would say avoid X, Y, and Z just just because it's the better business practice? Is there anything you would say, don't do this? Never, 
ever, ever, ever complain about a bad review. Guys, you can be mad, you can be sad, you can feel rejected, feel how you want to feel, but don't complain about it. Some people post them and they kind of laugh at it, and that's that's not so bad. It kind of depends on your approach, but in general, just, or complain about reviews at all, frankly. Like, I mean, again, you know, reviewers are taking their time typically without money, you know, and yeah. and they're kind of doing you a favor, and it's up to them whether they like it or not, and, and not everyone's going to like you. You could be the best banana in the universe but some people just don't like bananas like it's not a personal <laughs> thing you know oh sorry i made you cough no, <laughs> i heard that when i was a little kid and that's one of those little lessons that stuck with me like my whole life <laughs> yeah it's a good, good advice yeah because it all I, I think uh recently it seems like the the easy part of it, obviously it's not easy writing a book but it, it feels like the real work and the real grind starts after the book is done and you have to get the word out especially for self-pub or, or small press authors mm -hmm. what um what are some good methods to help promote are there hashtags are there certain things that you would recommend authors do or you suggest authors do it's um i think that there's an aspect of it that really is just kind of a grind and and mm -hmm. and i think just the process of getting to know people if it's appropriate for your genre going to conventions you know you kind of i think a lot of indie people start with the um networking with other authors and i think that's actually a good place to start you eventually do want to break out of that and that's kind of where going to reviewers and websites and youtube booktuber booktubers and and you know bookstagram and, and that's kind of where that expansion comes in because that's where you can start hopefully getting some readers that are not just authors sorry that sounds bad but i mean beyond the group of authors like you know like you kind of want to you kind of want to mix it up a little bit. So as far as that goes, you know, I think on Twitter, I wouldn't worry about hashtags. Twitter search doesn't really take them into consideration in the same way. It's just if you search the word, it's the same thing as if you search the hashtag. Oh, okay. But on Instagram and TikTok, yeah, you do want to use hashtags, but don't use too many. Just, just pick one or two or three maybe that go with your genre and just kind of leave it at that. If someone's searching, they'll find it, you know, um, but yeah, I think just asking for reviews and just getting out there and grinding. And remember also that it can be very discouraging, especially for your first one or two books. Um, the more books, you, it, it, it's the conventional wisdom has held true for me that the more books you have, the better you tend to do. There are a lot of people who don't even want to start a series unless it's finished. And I, I, I you know, and, and I get it. I personally, I don't know, I'm optimistic, I guess. And <laughs> I don't really worry about that, but my heart's been broken. In fact, <clears throat> there's a certain person who's already left a comment who I'll never know the end of that series now. So, <laughs> mm. oh, no, I'm wondering. They know who they are. <laughs> yeah, oh. Leave it as hanging. Yeah. And uh, Ashley says the people who who stand by uh, who stand your books and works will do enough criticizing of those negative reviews anyway. That's totally true. Like you know what? Let other people do it. Let you can just be all shiny up here you know, taking the high road, you know, being a professional and let, you know what, other people can do it. And maybe you can click like on something. Maybe you can do that, but that's the <laughs> most you should do. <laughs> and I have a, have a, have a follow-up question for you here in a second, but Laurel Hightower says uh, you should host like an intro seminar for new authors. So many pitfalls, mm -hmm. there's no way to know about. That's true. And I actually, I do that a lot at conventions. If you see me at a convention, 
um, like I was just at Worldcon virtual. I was at World Fantasy in Montreal. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I love conventions. I can't be at nearly as many as I would like, but uh, I do a lot of those sorts of, you know, publicity 101 type type talks, and and uh, you might even find some of those online. Anyway, thanks, Laurel. I should do that. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. Like a web series. Are you going to StalkerCon? I currently am planning to. Yes. Cool. I, I, I already have tickets. Too. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I have tickets yeah. and a hotel reservation. We'll see what happens with oh, COVID cool. land and all that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's always up in the air. You never know what's going to happen with this crazy world we live in. I went to the last in-person StokerCon in 2019. Like, it's so hard to believe that was the last in-person. Um, yeah. And I've been at the virtual one in 2020 as well, in 2021. Wait, did we do one? Yeah, yeah, I've been to the virtual ones too, so... <laughs> It's a good so, uh, it all blends together yeah, <laughs> the last couple the of years, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh Jonathan Sirius is just tuning in now. Howdy folks. Howdy. Hope you're having a good Friday. And uh, Mr. Morningstar loved Crossroads. She is the author of Crossroads, which is a wonderful book. It's great. <laughs> one, of, one of my one of my top ten. Uh Joshua says Beverly has so much great advice, which I've heard I had heard last year when I was starting out. Aww. I still have a lot to learn. Join my coaching program, Marcella. You learn yeah. everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Laurel says, right, some things you can only learn through experience and time. That's very true. And and I mean, that's just it. Like, I've been doing this for 10 years. Literally this month, I've been doing this for 10 years now. And I think back to some of the early things I did. And I'm just like, like, I'm so impressed Nick Kaufman still likes me. Like, honestly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty early. And, and I, I don't think I was as good at it as I am now. So I really appreciate his vote of confidence there. Oh, wow. <laughs> And I, I'm not sure how much experience you have with this, but with uh, with paid advertisements on social media like Twitter and Facebook, you can promote or you, I forget what they call it. You can pay a certain amount to, mm -hmm. to boost you know, your content. Is that worth the time and money? It depends. Usually, no, in my opinion. Like, I haven't really had a lot of good experience with that, except for um, nonfiction. Nonfiction is different, mm -hmm. although I do mostly work with fiction. And I would imagine most of the folks watching this probably are fiction writers, just given what you do, uh, Steve. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, I I would, I would approach that with caution. I mean, I think experiment a little bit with it and play around with it if you've got the budget for it. But if you don't, don't stress about it because I I think when people are just scrolling through social media, you know, like as you can see, I'm doing the thumb motion, which is completely yeah. unnecessary. But uh, <laughs> when people are doing that, I I think they're an ad may catch their eye but you have to see an ad sometimes as much as five to ten times before you even will click on it so mm -hmm. that's how much money you're going to be spending because you need this repetition like just for example i've definitely i've bought stuff off facebook it's it's, it's easier with regular products i think a book takes so many hours of commitment that it can be a little harder to sell than say a hair a, a curl cream or something you know but I mean, I bought some products off Facebook. It usually it's when I have seen the ad a bunch of times and I start getting curious and I might click on it and go, yeah, I don't want to spend the money right now. And then another three times I see it and I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to take a chance. And that's the same process. So you do need a large budget if you're going to do ads. That's the only downside. Hmm. That's and with all the different review sites, is, it, are there, is there one or another that holds more, I guess is more important or holds more, uh, more holds more weight than others uh, as far as getting the word out for authors is one more important than another 
Um, it depends. It completely depends on your genre. I mean, there's big, there's big ones in every genre, you know, like tour.com is obviously huge for science fiction and Macmillan, Macmillan? Yes, Macmillan. and like their family of websites, there's other ones for like crime and mystery and romance. And so, I mean, those are often really good ones. You've got, you know, ginger nuts of horror for horror. That's very popular, mm. you know, anything, you know, and let me, let me back up a little bit. It's not about how many social media followers they have, because I have looked at some places that have somehow 20, 30,000 followers on Twitter, but they get no interaction on their posts. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they bought followers, maybe, you know, so don't look at that. I would say, look at who's having interaction. Look at like, you know, if you go on tour.com, there's usually a bunch of comments on the posts. Like you can see they're getting engagement and their tweets get engagement and their Facebook posts, you know, get engagement. So look for that because somebody could be small and just have maybe a hundred or 200 followers. But if those people are very engaged and enthusiastic, that's awesome. You know? So I'd say, look, look to the big ones, look to the longer shots, do it, ask, because if you don't ask, you definitely get a no. Right. Um, <laughs> but also just look for your smaller folks that have a, an engaged audience. Like, you know, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. And uh, so hashtags aren't that big of a deal on most um, most social media platforms. I wondered about that. I, I don't really think so. Again, use them, but don't obsess and stress. That would just, just keep it simple on hashtags, you know? Mm -hmm. And typically, how many reviewers do you seek out for a book? Uh, if, let's say, I have six months before my book is, is going to be released, how many reviewers is the right amount? Because you're not going to have, I'm assuming you're not going to have a 100% return on all, all the books you send out. So... Well, first, I guess, what percent return do you get most of the time? And how many reviewers do you typically try and seek out if you have the time? Sure. I mean, it depends uh, um, because I personally charge for full service uh, um, publicity work uh, with a formula that essentially depends on the number of people that I contact. So hmm. I'd say an average of what people hire me for is 25 to 35 people. Um, hmm. And that that is just how many people I'm asking it depends. I would say before the pandemic, it was probably safe to say I was getting between 20 and 30% success. Um, but since the pandemic, it has been lower. Uh, and I just think a lot of people's energy isn't the same. Well, I think it's starting to get better now that we're kind of, you know, further into it. But I am still seeing a lot of websites that are closed for review requests and stuff more than I was before. So, you know, I, I would say just, you know, just try to be patient. And even if you're only getting you know, a 10 or 15% success when, when, if you're doing a campaign, like just, just keep putting one foot in front of the other, that whatever's going on now isn't going to last forever for sure. <laughs> you know, it feels <laughs> like it. Yeah. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> and uh, Laurel says it's a good question on how many, yeah. I always wondered how, how many, cause I'm assuming you get a certain amount return on how many you send out. Cause not, not every review, not every book you send out will have a, re a, re a review done so I wondered how many you send out no and yeah it's again yeah I'd say typically 25 to 30 is probably the most popular package that that people work with me but in all honesty there's a diminishing returns aspect like I could mm. contact 50 people but by the time I'm getting up to 40 and 50 like I can be scraping the bottom of the barrel to some degree as well right so you know where I'm really having to search for people and like find new new people because i don't even know that many people who might review x genre or y genre you know so it's um you know i, I mean do what you've got time for do what you can afford you know and the important thing is just to keep doing it consistently 
you know, and and not just do it for one day and then give up or whatever. Right. You just, you know, and keep, keep working on writing, write that next book and then work on that one. Like it's eventually going to get better. It may, you may never, excuse me, you may never be a full-time writer that that can be tough, especially in today's environment, but you know, there's no reason not to try. Hmm. Again, I'm an optimist. Yeah. (laughs) Because it comes with the job, I think you have to be an. Op- I think it's an opt. It's an optimistic. You have to have that mindset that we're going to get this done. Otherwise, you know. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> if I if you sent out thirty review copies to someone, uh, how many would you consider a success that you get a review back? What would you say? Well, that's really good hmm. on thirty arcs we sent out. Hmm. Like I'd be super happy with like ten to twelve wow really at this at this point again the way things are right now that's what i'd be happy with now you say sending out books but i would say i don't even send out books unless i have permission to do it but like the person's consented to receive the book Hmm. unless they're a place like publishers weekly where you you just send it and that's what you do and it's not you know if there's not a finesse process it's just a process because they're so big but like in the ones where i have to ask like unless they explicitly say okay send the book here I usually don't. I'll usually ask and say, hey, are you interested in this? So that that helps in a, in a few different ways. It's cheaper for you if you're not just sending books out willy-nilly, especially if you're self-published, right? Or, or you're a small press, you may not be able to afford to just send books out willy-nilly. Right. So I think, I think that even though the process is time-consuming, I think you're going to save a lot of money on physical books. Um, and a lot of reviewers are happy to receive eBooks. It just depends on the person and their preferences. And uh, Laurel stole my next question, which was, <laughs> how do you notice, do you notice much difference between using physical arcs and digital only, which is a, a good question. Definitely. I, I do think you are more likely to get a review out of a physical copy. Hmm. Um, because I, I think if you think about it, like, you know, something's there in front of you physically, you can see it. It's just going to keep poking you mentally, right? <laughs> you, you know, the literal... <laughs> I've got I've got a pile of books going right here, the literal TBR. And sometimes when you don't see it, it can be a little out of sight, out of mind. But, you know, again, it somewhat does still depend on the reviewer. I know several people who actually prefer ebooks. So, you know, if that's their preference, then you want to work with their preference. But in general, I do tend to see better results with a physical copy most of the time. Hmm. Yes, it's interesting you say that because sometimes I'll buy a, an ebook I really want to read and then I forget that I <laughs> that I bought it because it's just on the Kindle somewhere and I forget. That right, it's there. exactly. Yeah, that's really interesting. And is there with now with shipping costs higher? I guess the uh, is, is there a number you would recommend of sending out physical copies? Is there like a limit? Say this is okay. You're not going to get enough return for this money spent with shipping and everything else. The trouble all the time. Um. That. Um. <sighs> That depends a little bit on you and your budget. So I, I would say definitely don't send more than you can afford. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like don't don't put yourself in the hole for this too much. Okay. But that said, I mean, one of the bigger releases I worked on last last year, 2020. Anyways, recently, um, we sent out about 30 physical copies and we got about 10 10 reviews in return. So um the author was not that happy with it but these also were cases where we just had an address and we sent it so we were not always seeking to find out if they were interested Hmm. i personally thought it wasn't bad considering how many people we didn't even ask and we just sent the book to so i mean so i guess some of this is going to be your own perspective and what you can afford 
and and that kind of thing but i mean i think 10 reviews is pretty good for a small press like book it, you know when, when you aren't necessarily a known person like yeah i thought it was pretty good <laughs> I've, had a, I've, I've had a couple of emails pop in my inbox it's like hey we uh, would you be interested in reading this book and it's like thank you for the offer but I, I i can't get it out in time and i really appreciate it and they're like no problem we'll send you the book it's like oh, it's okay don't do that guys <laughs> i just got an ebook in my in my inbox like well okay i guess but yeah yeah i can't get to it and i i wondered uh, is net galley worth because for my i didn't know this until recently until talking with uh T.S. Byer, she's an author, uh, has a book called Escaping First Contact, but we had a conversation like this, and I don't know this until I talked to her, but there's, um, there's a, I guess there's a cost of entry into using a site like NetGalley. Is NetGalley worth? NetGalley and Edelweiss, I think, are both quite good, but mm. I mean, again, this is so dependent on your budget. Like, some people right. can afford it easily. It's not a big deal. You know, some people, it would be a hardship right um now there are some groups oh, of course i'm blanking you know like i think i think sfwa has and broad universe and i'm sure other groups do there also are ways you can get a discount on it too so consider mm -hmm. joining a professional organization for your genre or one or your genres and and see what benefits they have as far as net galley because yeah there's definitely are ways you can get it cheaper by joining an organization hmm. Because and, yeah, uh, it's really cool. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I, was, I wondered what, about NetGalley if that was worth, if you had the the means, if it was worth. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean, it definitely, I mean, you know, you still are going to be competing with, you know, a lot of other books and, but it's not quite as many as, as just sort of the general, you know, um, stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> big words and then like forgetting words but yeah you know like like uh it, it's a little bit smaller of a pool anyway a pool pool's a good word that's a good word yeah <laughs> and our friend priscilla bettis her her book her book is just released recently uh she says as a reader i love net galley but there are so many books there that i think yeah. from author's point of view their works offered or the works offered are watered down yeah i mean it again as as anything gets more popular it's harder to it's harder to use and that's just yeah. like i love that there's so many people writing books i love that there are fewer gatekeepers involved i mean i'm i'm definitely a power to the people kind of person but i mean the business aspect of that the business side of that is there is some saturation there's a lot of saturation and uh and that's that's why it's hard and that's why it's important to really just you know to to stick to to make a plan and stick to it and just kind of keep being consistent because it's, it's work. It's, it's the business side of it. The art is the creation, but then selling it is the business side. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's hard. That's a hard for most people. Yeah. That's switching gears. That's a big, big change from being a, the creative side to the business side is a big, big, mm -hmm. uh, big change. And uh, Jonathan asks, when did it become the indie standard to send out free copies of your books? I understand the exposure, but I think we can do better at, that I don't know what LFLR means. Um, I forget, I forget <laughs> the acronym. Yeah, but uh, I, here's the thing. Um, when you're asking for reviews, you, you send a free copy. You don't charge people to review your book. That would be just incredibly gauche, honestly. I mean, I wouldn't say, I'm, I'm not suggesting you just give out freebies to everybody, every rando out there. I mean, people yeah. should buy your book and pay you for your for your work. I mean, artists are, are, are people who are creating work 
or who are creating things and that's the work that they do that's the labor that they do and they should be paid for that mm. but uh but if you're asking people for reviews sort of like think of it like giving out samples at the grocery store like if you're in costco and the lady's got the little cheese crunchies they're not like oh, five bucks or you can't try the cheese crunchies, right? Like, you know, they're giving you a sample because what they're hoping you're going to do is you're going to like it, maybe buy it, maybe tell your friends about it. You know what I mean? It's a similar process. So Jonathan, I think that's it. Jonathan, I apologize if I've misunderstood. I just want to be clear that like, uh, you know, if, if it's reviews that you want to charge people to read your book for reviews, I would say stop doing that. But everyone else needs to pay you for your book. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> And uh, I, I missed Priscilla's book comes out Monday the 10th, uh, The Hay Bale. Oh, yeah. nice. Congrats, Priscilla. Yeah. It's a novelette. Nice. I'm excited to read it. Yeah, I have it pre-ordered from Amazon. I'll leave the link uh, down below after so everybody can check it out. So, uh, Beverly, I want to thank you for coming by. I know you're you're not feeling well and, and it's hard to speak. And I'm actually getting worse, too. I feel like I'm starting to run a fever, so this is a good yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't but want to push you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So it's I don't been want... fun. Yeah, I really appreciate it, and I'm so happy that we've had an audience that's that's engaged with us, and it's been a really fun talk. So thank you so much. Yeah, it's been it's been a blast, and it I've, I think it's so great. I know I mentioned this earlier, but it's so great to have a different perspective and a different on the industry and how how this whole business side works. Because you don't you don't think of it when you're writing a book as I'm going to write a book and everyone's going to love it. Well, there's a lot more work involved than just writing the book, unfortunately absolutely and hey you know there's people who can help you with that like i'm one of them there's lots of us you know um just make sure you pick somebody that you like to work with if you're doing it you know and speaking of of your work how can people get in touch with you if they want to get uh talk to you about services well thankfully i am the only beverly bambry that i'm aware of so googling me will do a lot do you a lot of good (laughs) i'm easy to find my website's just beverlybambury.com I do my coaching program, my affordable coaching program on Patreon. Again, if you just search my name on there, easy to find. I'm on Twitter, Instagram. I'm not everywhere. I'm a very social person. <laughs> so, <laughs> Awesome. And I will leave all your links in the description when we're done here. I'll, I'll be sure to add all those so people Thank can contact you, you and, and get your services because I think it'd be really, really important to help, and especially new authors. There's so much, so much to know. I'm sure we just crossed the surface, so. Oh, absolutely. I could talk about this sort of stuff for hours, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really interesting. So thank you again for sharing your knowledge with us and tell us about what you do. It's really, it's really great. So thanks again. Thank you for having me. Have a great night. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>